Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, we are talking about breathing and lung health today. Uh, now, this is huge, particularly when you're talking about a respiratory or a blood virus going around and complete panic. The second half, the part that is going to be censored, and we'll try and get to some of that today, is on the drbvip.com sonnet. It's drbvip.com. <clears throat> now, thank you for all those that are supporting it. Just realize that we have major, major societal changes going on. So if you're able to support us, it, it is totally, completely appreciated. If you're on the Dr. BVIP site, share the information, share the handouts, share everything. Because eventually, um, remember, this is how you land a fish. You let a little uh, line out, then you pull it in, a little line out and pull it in. There are some governors, okay, in America that are going back to normal, okay, and this is brilliant. Uh, others are political hacks, such as the Emperor of uh, California, that are continuing the panic uh, in order to um, uh, divert away at, or divert attention from the recall effort of absolutely destroying the economy for something no worse than the flu. So please go to Dr. BVIP, though you'll get the unrestricted info. Um, this, this, um, we're trying to get all our episodes up on Extreme Health Academy. That would be amazing if we can. Uh, but please support them. Go to Extreme Health Academy. Great forums. It's fantastic. So let's look at how the body works. When you're looking at lung function, last week we talked about digestion. <clears throat> you have an automatic nervous system. And one part keeps you alive under stress, and that's the sympathetic. The other part regenerates. Um, the tissue, that's the parasympathetic. Now, the parasympathetic, which is resting, digesting, and repairing, okay, is, is, it's also part of the lining of the bronchus, and it increase, initiates bronchial constriction. <clears throat> and this is where the air tubes, the bronchus, are constricted. Now, your innervation, and this is coming from the neck, and this is why neck traumas and why we correct asthma by adjusting the neck and the insertion of the diaphragm, the nerve called the phrenic nerve, and this supplies the diaphragm. The diaphragm is this big, wide muscle right at the bottom of the lungs, right on top of the organs, um, at the top of the liver, on top of the stomach. And when you breathe, that nerve, and it's C3, C4, C5, and what I used to tell my, my student doctors, C3, C4, C5 keeps you alive. And so that way you knew the origin of the phrenic nerve. Now, when you breathe in, okay, if you breathe in through the nose, okay, you actually create nitric oxide, and this um, allows the blood vessels to open up so it vasodilates, and it allows the air tubes to um, enlarge, and that's bronchodilate. So when you're breathing in through your nose, okay, bam, you're increasing that oxygen transfer. Because that's ultimately what the what the lungs have to do. They have to transfer carbon dioxide and get oxygen into the cells. <clears throat> now, when you breathe, okay. And what I want you to do is just sit down. If you're, you know, if you're driving, be careful of doing this. But if you're sitting down in a chair, not driving, or operating a nuclear device, okay, take a deep breath in. Now, your tummy should come out when you breathe in, 
blow out, the tummy should go in. What you're probably going to experience is that your tummy goes in when you're breathing in and your chest comes up. That's horrible. So we're going to go over how to diaphragmatic breathe, but I'm going to show you a quick, quick method. Put one hand on your tummy, and you're going to blow out on the count of three, but you push your tummy in. So blow out, and you push your tummy in. Then breathe in and push your hand out. Then blow out and push in. Then breathe in and push out. So what you're seeing now, you might even feel a little dizzy because you're using the bottom two-thirds of your lungs to transfer the oxygen. Now that's got a lot more surface area. And really, transferring the oxygen is hugely important because carbon dioxide is an acid. So if you have good breathing, this is also decreasing your risk of chronic disease. I mean, this is amazing. Now, we're seeing a lot of blood changes. Now, I'm going to be doing um, a talk because I know a couple of people that have gotten the, the current um, <clears throat> gene-altering um, medical procedure that's a forced experimentation on um, something that's no worse than the flu. Can't really talk about that because of the censorship. Boy, don't you like that. You know, I remember we used to live in a country, or there was one that had freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. And one of the founding fathers said, I disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to your my death for your right to say it. I mean, brilliant. That's when men were men. <clears throat> but now that we're living in the uh, new world, okay, but what I'm seeing is after this gene-altering um, injection, I'm seeing a lot of changes in blood. And there's a lot of changes in blood clotting. And I'm seeing a lot of what's called fibrin formation in the live blood cell analysis of people that have gotten that shot. So this is going to show up in lung tissue and a bunch of other uh, areas. But just know, if your blood vessels or the blood cells are not healthy, they start to clump together and they don't hold oxygen real well. And they don't hold carbon dioxide real well. So blood pressure will have to increase, but also that oxygen transfer will be a challenge. So the health of the blood is intimately connected to the health of the lungs. Now, <clears throat> asthma, which is a constriction of those bronchus or the air tubes, think of this. So you can't really get air in or out. I mean, it's almost like you're, the air is trapped in the alveoli, which are these grape sacs, and that's what lungs are composed of. So you... You almost drown in your in in air that's trapped in the alveoli. I mean, it's horrible. But also, um, people with asthma have ten times the amount of mucus that somebody that doesn't have asthma. So you really got to think. Well, well, what is it? Now, according to the World Health Organization, asthma is a predominantly a disease of the privileged classes. Really. And, and according to Lancet, although asthma is present um, a disease of affluent society, the increasing westernization and urbanization of populations are leading to increased prevalences of asthma. You might think, well, that's weird. Okay, well, also, the Lancet British Medical Journal and the Journal of Pediatrics, listen to this, a rural lifestyle, rural, is consistent with associated with low presence of asthma. Exposure to farm animals and drinking unpasteurized raw milk is protective with asthma. The presence of pets in a house and large family sizes are protective against asthma. Um, it, here's one of the British Medical Journal. 
quote, these findings suggest environmental rich in microbial organism is beneficial in building infants' resistance to asthma. And according to the World Health Organization, quote, the search for environmental agents that protect uh, against asthma is extremely important and probably holds the best chance for success, prevention, and control of the disease in the global context. <clears throat> Just think of that. So that means that more exposure, so this, this massively um, hypersensitive hygiene area where people are purelling everything and covering everything with um, Clorox and bleach and, I mean, wearing masks and everything else, um, when in reality, rural communities um, where you get bacteria and pathogen exposure actually helps. I mean, no, according to the UCLA Public School of Health, and this is the Department of Epidemiology, um, they conclude the DPT or tetanus vaccine appears to increase the risk of allergies and related respiratory symptoms in children and adolescents. So why is this? Okay, let, let's see how the normally the lung works, okay? Exposure to environmental triggers like dust, pollen, okay, the air, airways, the air tubes, the bronchus, become narrow and inflamed, and they draw more blood to the area to uh, utilize the immune defenses. And then mucus is produced to trap the substances. That's how, how things work. <clears throat> and there's also why people will cough or spit up when they're exposed to pathogens. Now, the asthmatic lung response is different. Um, the airways are hypersensitive. So when you challenge the airway with rural living um, plants, um, uh, you know, just just um, animals living in the house, uh, multiple people living in the house, the, the lung or the immune system of those lungs gets challenged on a regular basis. And so then the lungs become healthier. Now, if you don't, okay, if you don't have that stimulus of the immune system, and let's say you trigger what's called a Th2 response, and that's really common with most vaccinations. It's an inflammatory response. And that's what we're seeing in a lot of our patients we see histamines released inside of the whole body. I mean, that's, it's like amazing. But that, that histamine response or that release is a hypersensitive reaction. Now, so the asthmatic response to smoke, dust, or pollen with a hypersensitive reaction. And the response to those triggers includes bronchoconstriction, inflammation, and excessive mucus production. That's at 10 times more normal. The response is the same as a normal healthy person, but the asthmatic is hypersensitive, and that's not, not healthy. So it's an, an abnormal immune system response. Now, it's interesting. The British Medical Journal says viruses are beneficial for asthma, and they wanted to investigate an association of early childhood infections and the development of asthma. Conclusion, quote, repeated viral infections um, have lower of the low, other than lower respiratory tract infections, early in life may reduce the risk of developing asthma. Interesting, because antibiotics increase the risk of developing asthma. And according to the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, there's an association between antibiotic use in the first life and um, eczema and in kids and asthma. <clears throat> now, why would that be? Well. Let's look at it. In asthma patients, 
T cells transform into Th2 cells. Now, this is an inflammatory cell. Now, antibodies in asthmatic patients are produced against inhaled allergens. So when a person is exposed to the same allergen, it recognizes. And inflammation, where the airways thicken and mucus is produced, and bronchospasms occur. And according to the Annual Review of Medicine, in essence, asthma is the result of an immune response in the bronchial airways. So uh, just know, okay, that if you have a hypersensitized immune system, you're going to have a hypersensitive reaction. And this is where allergies, asthma, all of that comes from. And we're going to cover that in future talks. Right now, we're just looking at lung function. So to have a healthy lung function, you have to have healthy mucus production. And you have to have a healthy response to the environment. So if you're living in a hypersterile environment where you have a mask on and you're breathing in filtered air or air through a mask um, and you're, you're always putting Purell on your hands and you're not getting healthy environmental exposure, you're going to have worse lungs by, by trying to limit that than if you were in a farm field with a bunch of animals. <clears throat> because your body, your immune system, needs to be challenged correctly. So I'm going to show you a way to consciously breathe, and this is going to be huge. Conscious breathing means that you're actually breathing, thinking about it. Now, when you breathe in, what I want you to do is breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Now, that's ideal, and when your tummy... When you're breathing in, that tummy should be coming out. So when you're blowing out, you push your tummy in. Now, this is diaphragmatic breathing. What I want you to do is now we're going to do conscious breathing. And this is fantastic for meditation, but it's excellent. What you want to do, and you could start off by holding your breath for about 10 seconds. Um, but you want to breathe in half as much as you breathe out. You want to breathe out twice as much as you breathe in. So when you take a deep breath in, go breathe in and hold it for a count of eight. One, two, three, 1,004, 1,005, 1,006, 1,007, 1,008, 1,000. Then exhale for 16 seconds. Exhale. One, 1,002, Okay. So breathe in, hold it for eight seconds, breathe out for 16 seconds. Now, ideally, and this is something you should only do if you have healthy lungs, okay, you're going to blow out and you hold it with no air for about 10 seconds. Now, and then you start and repeat. Breathe in, for, uh, hold it for eight seconds, um, blow out for 16 seconds, and then hold your lungs with no air for 10 seconds. Now, masters can do around 32 to 40 seconds, where they hold their breath for 30 to 40 seconds, they blow out and hold oh, no air in their lungs for around 30 seconds. Now, if you're doing this, I do it for at least 10 to 15 minutes, if not a half hour. And this may take years to master, but it will improve your inner strength and improve your health. Now, we know that glyphosates, because remember, you're talking the microflora. If you're taking anything, like living in an environment where you have a lot of different pathogens, okay, a lot of different allergens, 
that you end up developing a resistance to that. Well, glyphosate, which is the Roundup Ready, that's or Roundup, it's a very powerful antibiotic that destroys microorganisms. Now, you need microorganisms in order to function. So if you're living close to a farm field or it has to, happens to be in the water or the air or the bread products, um, this can be dangerous. Now, 80% of your immune system resides in your gut. So when we're talking lung health, you've got to look at gut health. And you have 10 bacteria to every one of your cells. You also have 10 viruses in your body per, per bacteria. You let, roughly have four quadrillion viruses in your body. Now, viral elements are a large part of genetic material. It makes up almost all organisms. Without viruses, we would all die. And Philip Sharp, Nobel Prize winner, okay, Center for Cancer Research at MIT, quote, we humans are well over 50% viral. Amazing. I mean, when you look at the, the, okay, out of the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, great article, quote, children who drank raw milk had a 41% reduced chance of developing asthma and 50% reduced chance of hay fever. These findings suggest that protective effect of raw milk consumption on asthma might be associated to the whey protein fraction of milk. <clears throat> we know that Tylenol in asthma the majority of babies given Tylenol in the first six months of life um, had a 70% greater risk of asthma. I know. And if those receiving Tylenol once a month, and now that's one per year, one per year, you had a 70% increase rate of, of asthma. If you're giving your child Tylenol once a month or more, you're looking at a 540% increase in asthma. Children who even had a single dose of Tylenol before their first birthday had a 60% increased risk of developing asthma. And the tough part <clears throat> is Tylenol. Nobody knows how it actually works. We know it depletes glutathione. We know it weakens your immune system. And we know it's toxic to a lot of different substances like the liver. It depletes glutathione, and that's dangerous. You figure, according to the European Journal of Health, Depletion of glutathione can result in lung damage. So this is why Tylenol should not be around you at all. Now, knowing that glutathione is going to be depleted, but depleted glyphosates, um, the herbicide, and Roundup is going to be depleted by um, Tylenol. Um, what's the best source of it? Whey protein and sulfur-rich compounds like the cruciferous families. So you're talking garlic, um, broccoli, cauliflower, I mean, all the good ones. Now, here's out of the Annals of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Quote, glutathione is a vital intracellular and extracellular protective pulmonary oxidant. It plays a role in regulating um, oxidant-induced lung epithelial functions. And it, it also is the control of pro-inflammatory processes. I mean, brilliant. When you look, and this is kind of cool, because we get people, I had this one guy who was a painter of cars, um, and so you're talking extremely toxic, but he was smoking th um, three packs of cigarettes a day, and we're talking marble. Well, we reduced his smoking down to one pack a day by getting him on organic tobacco. Now, I know you're thinking, well, wait a second, why didn't he just stop? Well, smoking increases glutathione production. And it also 
um, helps some brain function, but but you're smoking three packs a day, that means you're in a stressed state. So it's going to have a um, mental and emotional benefit, okay? But you want to make it less toxic. So we got him on Organic American Spirit tobacco and had him roll his own tobacco, roll his own cigarettes. So that makes a heck of a lot of sense. But let's look at this. If you are smoking, number one, um, 35% of smokers were either marginally or severely deficient in vitamin C. So supplementing the vitamin C. Why? Because exposure to smoke results in progressive protein damage and inflammation and lung injury. And we're talking just 15 milligrams of vitamin C per day prevented all of these damages from occurring. And that's the Journal of Inflammation. Now, I'm not saying, saying smoke like a chimney and take vitamin C, but by God, you know, if you're t- doing something that's not good for you, get some vitamin C. Now, vitamin C-rich foods like citrus fruits, cantaloupe, strawberries, tomatoes, broccoli, there's tons of ways that you can do it, but it, it's an antioxidant that prevents free radical damage and that, that protects your lungs. <clears throat> now, also, vitamin A. Vitamin A is hugely important, and you get this from... Um, a lot of different food sources, like pasture-raised beef, okay, eggs from pasteurized chicken, butter, cheese from grass-fed cows, raw milk. And you might be wondering, well, oh, yeah, that makes sense because vitamin A, that raw milk protected the lungs. Well, it's vital for immune system function, and it works in synergistically with other vitamins, like vitamin D, K2, zinc, magnesium. Uh, so, you know, looking at the whole rich food. But what kind of foods are rich in protein? Well, aside from the pasture-raised eggs and, and beef, carrots, sweet potato, kales, butternut squash. Oh my God. <clears throat> There's so many things you can do. Now we're going to bring up a couple of um, case studies <clears throat> to go over lung health. But really, I mean, look at how your body works. If you have an alteration in the neck, you got to fix it. So look at the physical stress, chemical stress, and emotional stress. If you're going to a doctor that has just given you steroids for asthma, that is a bad doctor. They're not looking at the data, and they're not trying to get you better. So find a doctor that can correct the source of the asthma, and what you can do right now is just take the appropriate vitamins, build your gut flora, increase your water intake, and increase your mineral intake because your lungs produce this fluid <clears throat> called surfactant. And you need a lot of healthy water and minerals to produce that. If you're not going to produce surfactant, then your body produces mucus. So mucus is also going to be dehydrating or a response from dehydration and nutrient deficiencies, along with the medical procedures and drugs. So hydrate, do conscious breathing, get your nervous system checked. That's hugely important. And look at the physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. And, I mean, so far we've had 100% success rate correcting asthma because you've got to look at it. Now we've got about six minutes that we're going to cover um, some of the uh, censorable stuff. Now, June 13th, that was two days ago, the CDC scheduled an emergency meeting for the RNA COVID vaccine in young people. Now, this is hugely important because we're talking myocarditis. That's muscle heart inflammation. Inflammation of the sac around the heart, or pericarditis, 
at heart inflammation in young people after the Pfizer and, and Moderna COVID-19s. Now, the CDC says it knows of at least 800 reports of heart inflammation after the COVID and 226 cases of myocarditis under 30. Now, think of this. If you're under 50, you have a 99.99 chance of not having an issue with this virus. So why would you get an experimental gene-altering procedure that damages your heart? <clears throat> there is no rhyme or reason or intelligence in that. Now, several months ago, the CDC's entire vaccination advisory panel, which is the ACIP, Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice, signed off on false information about what studies showed about COVID vaccine effectiveness in people. I mean, they're talking about how the COVID vaccines are, um, what, 95% effective? And that's not true. Because when you look at it, that's relative risk. And that's, you know, your risk of a certain category. When you look at the absolute risk reduction, this is what your risk actually is. So let's say that you have, that you're under 50 with no comorbid conditions, Okay, that means you don't have high blood pressure or type 2 diabetes or anything else. The best the Pfizer vaccine can do uh, is less than 1% effectiveness. That's why you get an in what about Moderna, it's 1.2 effectiveness. The Russian one, um, that was about 0.93%. The Johnson & Johnson is 1.2% effective. And the AstraZeneca, which has been pulled off the shelves a couple of times, along with the Johnson & Johnson, is 1.3%. So the absolute risk reduction for a disease that majority of people who don't have any comorbid conditions for this shot is 1% or less for all the shots. Now, um, this is an experimental gene-altering procedure with no long-term studies. And you can't detox from this. Once the shot is in you, you can't get it out of you. It's not heavy metal poisoning. If the shot works correctly, it's injected into your body, and then your immune system, it literally gets inside of the cells. And that's hugely important because it does not stay in the arm where it was injected. Now, um, it gets into the lymph tissue, and that was a big shocker to the stupid scientist that, that um, invented this. And <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Look, you're going to inject it in the arm muscle. Will it just stay in the arm muscle? They were hoping it. Well, here's out of the medrxiv.org. The mRNA vaccine against SARS-CoV-2 reprograms both adaptive and innate immune system. Quote, little is known about the broad effects of the new class of mRNA vaccines, especially whether they have combined effects on the innate or adaptive immune system response. In conclusion, the mRNA vaccines induce complex functional reprogramming of the innate immune system responses, which should be considered in the development of this new class of vaccines. It's altering your, vac your innate, the immune system that you were born with. Um, I encourage you to go to trial site news, but the, we're, we're running out of time, so I've got to um, give you this, this one that is just brilliant. You've got to go to the high wire. And look up um, this month's, it's called In the Harm's Way. It was produced this past Thursday. And look up Dr. Mike Yeadon, Y-E-A-D-O-N. 
this guy, former CEO of Pfizer, um, is amazing. And here's some quotes from the interview. Um, I've said over and over again, what's happening here isn't the result of scientific debate and decisions made in uncertainty. Instead, we're building what we're told are lies. The virus is much less dangerous than we were told, and there's a great deal of prior immunity. So you may have heard that, what about the variations? Well, this virus that we have is about 80% similar to the SARS-CoV-1, the, the 2003. So if you got exposure to that, your immune system still recognizes this one. And there has never, ever been one medication, one medical therapy for everyone on the planet regarding of their exposure to a virus, regarding of their health status, regarding of their risk of that. So if you're under 50 with no comorbid conditions, I mean, you have virtually no risk. If you're a teenager, you have 99.39s and a 7 chance, no risk at all. So if you're getting this shot as a kid and you develop heart issues, or some type of long-term immune system response that hasn't been done, or it's going to affect your growth of your brain five years down the road. This is crazy. But look up Dr. Michael Yeadon, okay, as soon as you can. Um, I, he's got a good article also, I mean, on Highwire, that's for sure. That's three hours. His interview is about an hour and a half. You can go to tapnewswire.com, T-A-P-newswire.com. And look up, uh, Michael Yeadon continues as the fourth for truth. Um, Michael Yeadon also goes in how the lockdowns don't pre prevent the spread and variants are so similar that there's no possibility of uh, immune system escape. So your, your body is designed to live here. This is a control of society that we got to take it back. Um, check out the American State Nationals. That's one of the methods that I'm going to use. But we just, we swear in the mask. Okay, we, you know when you do that? You know when it stops? Um, when you take it off. Okay, that's it, man. Let's take our rights back. This is Dr. Bergman. Your, your voice um, in the wilderness. God bless you, and I love you.